Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. If this is the first time you've ever listened, or if it's like the 370-something time you've listened, I want you to know that the reason I started this show almost four years ago was really so that I could learn more. I, I one time heard someone say, if you ever feel stuck, one of the best ways to get unstuck is to interview 50 successful people, and you never again will be in that rut. So I decided I was going to interview 50 people. Originally, I thought it was going to be for my blog, and someone said, why don't you start a podcast? So I thought I was going to do 50 episodes of a podcast. Well, we've now capped over 370 episodes, and I'm not stopping now. I have learned so much, but what's been great is so many people have come along for the journey. The listenership continues to grow. People are finding the show all the time, and it's become one of my favorite parts of my business because I get to interview so many of my clients, so many other speakers, so many people who are doing really cool things, and today is going to be no different. Today, we're interviewing Jane Atchison. Now, Jane is a professional coach for speakers, but she doesn't focus on your speaking skills. She really focuses on the business and marketing side, how to scale up your business. And just for full disclosure, I hired Jane this year, and so I work with her, and I will tell you what, she is a great asset to my business because she keeps me on track. The way I described it to one friend is, if you take a kid to a bowling alley, you put up the bumpers. You know, when I was a kid, you'd be five years old, you'd roll the ball, it would go right into the gutter and go all the way down. Now, technology allows you to put up the gutters, and when the five-year-old rolls the ball, it bounces from side to side, but it makes it all the way down to the pins. And that's what a great coach does, because trust me, as an entrepreneur, as a solopreneur, I am all over the map. And yet, monthly, Jane kind of says, here's the bumper, don't bounce too far into the gutter, go this way. So I'd like to introduce all of you to Jane Atchison. Jane, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Day. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Tom. I love the bumper analogy. That's fantastic. I, I would be in the gutter all the time if it wasn't for you and for my mastermind group and for a few other friends who keep me honest along the way. <laughs> well, I, I I know that it's easy to go down rabbit holes or follow squirrels in our industry. And so uh, I, I think it's tr tremendous to think about myself as a bumper. <laughs> <laughs> so tell everybody a little bit about your business and what it is that you do, because I don't really read bios that PR people put together. I think it's better to hear it straight from you. Who Who is Jane sure. and what do you do so well? Sure. Well, I've been in the speaking business for more than 30 years. I started out as a, uh, a, an agent for speakers. I was selling speakers for the, about the first decade or more. And then I uh, spent six years under the roof of a speakers bureau. So uh, two of those years, I was representing the exclusive uh, speakers and celebrities and best-selling authors that the Bureau had. And then uh, people started to ask me, how did I make so many speakers successful? And I decided that I was going to start to charge for the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so I became a coach and I wrote a book called The Wealthy Speaker 2.0. 
And that really was the catalyst for kind of the next couple of decades. So we're going on uh, 30 plus years in the industry that I really, really love. I think that we are in the coolest industry out there, don't you, Tom? Uh, you know, I've been doing it now nine years as a full-time venture, and I have to pinch myself all the time just because mm-hmm. it's it's for a long time people were like, "Oh, you're so good at, at giving presentations. You should be a professional speaker." And for so long, I thought, "Is that really a thing?" And now I know it's actually a thing, and I and I'm very grateful, <laughs> and I'm grateful that it is. It's a thing. Although in the early days, I'm sure a lot of uh, spouses and family are, you know, secretly wishing that we would get a quote unquote real job. <laughs> so, so you started off in the business working for other people, working for speakers and then working for bureaus. And you talked about how, you know, you, people were asking for your advice and that's sort of what led you to the entrepreneurship side. But, but really you were kind of in sales and I think all salespeople are entrepreneurs anyway, because you, you eat what you kill if you're right. in a, a production role. So were you always entrepreneurial? Did you see yourself as a business owner when you were a kid? Actually, I think I did. Um, my brother, who's who's passed away about seven years ago, Cliff, he actually had inspired the entrepreneurial spirit in me from a very, very young age. And, uh, you know, he's, you know, you've got to have this lemonade stand down on the dock and sell to all the tourists who are coming in. And even though I didn't do that exact thing, I think he just infused it into my blood. And um, I have been interested and intrigued with business ever since I saw the Les Brown Live Your Dreams uh, speech on PBS when I was 25 years old. All of a sudden, it, it was like it had unlocked something that was kind of sleeping in me. I hadn't read a book since college. And so all of a sudden, Brown saying you can have anything you want in your life, you know, if you just want to work hard enough and get educated and listen to things that are fill up your mind with good things. That was it. And so the entrepreneurial, the spirit was born then. I think Scott Stratton says that it was that same PBS video that sparked him, sparked him to want to be a speaker when he was a teenager. Exactly. What is it, what is it that he, Les Brown has? What's the influence he has on Canadians? I do not know, but uh, we've talked about this. And I don't know if it was the same Live Your Dream special or what, but the minute it, it literally changed the course, changed the trajectory of my life and career. So how long have you been fully on your own as, as a coach? Uh, probably coming up on to 15 years. Wow. And when I first started, I went and I didn't realize at the time that I may or may not need this training, but I went and got trained from the Coaches Training Institute, which was fabulous coaching training. And um, I was looking at everybody and I asked the instructor, the person who was leading the course, you know, how much he charged and all of the various things about his business. And I was very, very focused on my niche. Most people were going out to be life coaches and different things like that. But I was very, very clear. And I decided right then and there that I was just going to blow away the instructor's fees and everybody else. I was never going to fit into this kind of coach mold. And uh, I decided to kind of make it up as I went along after I finished that training. It was very, very helpful. But I didn't want to be in with everybody else. <laughs> so now that you've been doing this, wow, 15 years, what is it that you love about the life of being an entrepreneur versus when you had more of a, of a job job? Well, I have a massive value around freedom. 
So freedom of time. And, and this is actually something that I think most entrepreneurs value too when they get into becoming an entrepreneur, but then they allow the business to run them versus them run the business. And so I go through phases where I'm really, really good at guarding my time. And then there are other times when I feel a bit overwhelmed with, you know, how many clients I have or whatever it might be, where I let the calendar get control of me. So Basically, the whole thing is like an ebb and flow of balance of freedom. And my goal is every Friday in the summertime to take the day off. That's, that's my, uh, my goal. And this summer, I'm doing a pretty good job of it. So we hear a lot from people on this show that the, their first answer is that freedom. And so I, I think that that's sort of a common thread that runs throughout the entrepreneurosphere, if you will. Is there ever any times, though, where you think, what am I doing? doing i should have i could have kept working for that bureau i'd probably be running the bureau someone else would be giving me a check every two weeks i wouldn't have all the Mm -hmm. headaches that's a strong hell no (laughs) (laughs) no uh not even for a teeny tiny little minute because as an entrepreneur i'm in charge of my income there's no caps on where I can go. And it's all based on how hard I want to work and how good my systems are. And so, no, I don't have any regrets whatsoever. <laughs> it's interesting because that's usually the answer I get to that question. <laughs> Although there are some people, and I think I fall into this secondary bucket, who say, oh, yeah, there's days when I think, what the hell am I doing? I should go, I should have, I should go get a job. And I used yeah. to be a sales and marketing person, and I was good at it. So I know that, you know, within three or four months, I could have a pretty senior sales job if I really wanted to. And the one thing I say, I don't want to, I love what I do. But the one thing I will tell you is, is that I know, because some people say, oh, I'm totally unemployable now. And my joke is, oh, no, if I ever went back to work to somebody, for somebody, I would be the best employee they'd ever have. I'm afraid I would hug my boss every day (laughs) when I left the office because I now know after nine plus years of working for myself, I know what all the secret headaches are where I find myself pounding my head against the wall. And so if somebody else took those over, I'd probably hug them every day. Yeah. Well, my husband and I have this phrase every once in a while that we say to each other about, um, well, that's just stupid. (laughs) And I have a feeling that if I worked for somebody else, there would be some system or process or something (laughs) about that, that I would deem stupid or, you know, a waste of time or anyway. So I don't think I'd make a very good employee. (laughs) (laughs) So what advice do you have for people? Because there's a lot of people who listen to this show who reach out to me and say, because I use this expression a lot, uh, about having your ladder against the wrong wall. And I get a lot of direct messages on social media and several emails from people going, every time you say that you know you went through you know the last several years of your career feeling like you had your ladder against the wrong wall, they go, it's like you're speaking to me. You're talking about me. So if somebody feels that, what advice do you have for them about going out on their own, whether they want to start a big company that they're going to grow or whether they want to do something like become a coach or a speaker or an author? Well, a lot of my speaker clients, if they have a job, um, going through the transition of starting your own business while at your job really does alleviate some of the stress that comes with cash flow. And so if you can stay and do 
them both simultaneously for a period of time. I think that eases the pain somewhat. Um, and also, I think it's helpful for people to know, I don't know what the golden rule is of entrepreneurial, but like pretend, I remember once uh, going to work for a pub owner and he said, well, we have enough cash flow for two years. If nobody walks through the door for the first two years, we're going to be okay. And I think that it's important that you have some things set aside so that part of your journey isn't the stress of making the mortgage payment. I well, think if you can get ahead on the finances, it's really helpful. And then after you've been at it a while, still having a little bit of, of a cushion so that you know if you hit a sales slump that yes. you're not going to lose the house. I mean, I, I went through a little bit of that and it's like, you know, as much as it freaked me out, I also knew I'm, I'm okay for this whole year. So I yeah. had an emergency fund. Some padding, you know, what if we got sick, right? Uh, we don't want to be hooped when that something like that happens. And, you know, having had my brother pass away at 53 years old, which is actually the age I was up until a couple of weeks ago. Um, Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> that, uh, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. And I, I just think that um, having a, a cushion is a great way to start out a business. And it's also something that uh, will help you succeed even when times are a little bit tough. Well, and it is true because you and I are almost the same age and uh, I'm, I'm 52. My uh, mother died when she was 58 years old. And so Ooh. that's that's not lost on me that, you know, that's a that's a real number that, that's sneaking up. Now, the flip side is my father lived to be 99 years old and was super healthy till he was like 97 yeah. and a half. So, Let's go with that. Well, yeah, my, my, my brother had a great line. He said, if we split the difference, we make it to 78 or 79. That's pretty good. So no, uh, that's not enough. Yeah, you no. need to go. You need to go for 85 and 90. <laughs> Nowadays, you know, my mom's 88 and she's doing great. She texts me every day, a couple times a day. And I think that um, as long as you're happy, you can live to whatever age you want. Like now, now things have changed, right? Well, and you bring up an interesting point. So the other thing is, is your mom's 88 and she's still active. And my dad, until he was 95, he lived on his own. He had five girlfriends. He was bowling and golfing and swimming and dancing <laughs> and playing it. bridge. I mean, we could never find him. You know, <laughs> That's he, wouldn't, great. he wouldn't get a cell phone because he thought it was ridiculous. And yet there were days where we'd be like, where has he been? And, you know, we oh, just couldn't wow. track him uh, That would drive me crazy because I practically have a tracker on my mom. <laughs> in fact, I am going to put that app on her cell phone just in case I am very much uh okay what's going on if she hasn't done the the midnight text to me i uh i'm i'm calling her up but but the, <laughs> the but the point is is what you do for a living and and what i do for a living both as a speaker and then also i do some coaching it's very clear that we don't have to quit at 65 if you've got wisdom for your industry you could mm -hmm. continue on you know working part time or however much you want on into the future. So do you think that the world is sort of changing as people are becoming sort of these information entrepreneurs that there's no end to how long people can work? Absolutely. Um, my coach, his name is Dan Sullivan. He runs Strategic Coach, which is just a brilliant operation. Uh, he says that the definition of retirement is only doing the work you love. That's awesome. <laughs> only doing your work you love. So for those people back to the ladder against the wrong wall idea is what, what could you do until you're 80 years old because you loved it so much, you know, maybe that will help 
try to decide what wall you do want to be leaning against. <laughs> so I talk a lot about in the work I do about what I call the paradox of potential. And that is, you know, we think potential is so exciting. We Somebody wants to be a speaker. Everybody says, oh, you're so great. And they think, oh, I have all this potential. And then they never make it. So why? If they had potential, why aren't they succeeding? Well, my theory is, is that potential doesn't equal results. It really doesn't. I mean, it's nice to have, but there's more that we have to do. So you've coached a lot of people over the last 15 years. You've seen a lot of people who've tried and not made it very far across that gap between potential and results. And you've coached some people who have gone as far as one can go across the gap between potential and results. What do you think the delta is? Hmm. This does not sound very sexy, but I'm actually going to chalk it up to systems. People who have uh, systems that help to drive momentum in place. So there's kind of two different ways of looking at that. One might be uh, systems when it comes to daily habits. And so we have the Wealthy Speaker Daily Success Planner and Journal, and that helps people drive momentum on a daily basis. They are getting very, very intentional about what their day is going to look like, and they're being very, very intentional about what they're going to accomplish. So there's that type of system. But also on the business side, systems that will help plant seeds for new customers, and so a lot of speakers, and I bet you uh, you might have experienced this at one time, a lot of speakers will go out and they'll plant, 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 plant seeds, and then they'll get busy delivering all of the speeches that they've just sold. And then they don't plant seeds during the time when they're busy. And the people who are the most successful have systems that help compete, keep the seed planting going even when they're busy. Yeah, I think I called that uh, 2018 so far. I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I had I had the best sales year of my life in 2017. I've been doing this this business for almost a decade, and 2017 I sold like crazy, especially in the last quarter of the year, and it was awesome because I worked some really big events. I emceed some awesome multi-day association and corporate you know users conferences, but you know, the second half of my year, you know, was coming up looking a little bit light. And I think I probably fell a little bit prey to, uh, you know, not planting enough seeds early on in the year. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, it's a trap, you know, it's the trap of the business. And then, uh, and so if we have systems that keep going while we're speaking, that's very helpful. And if we have good habits that help plant seeds when we're doing those personal outreach and communications, uh, that can make all the difference. So let's take a quick look at, at solopreneurs because you coach speakers and, you know, the majority of my peers, that's what we are. We work for ourselves. So what, what holds solopreneurs back from having systems, from taking action? Well, I think when it comes to growth, you need to risk a little bit and the risk comes typically in team. Having people take those things off of your plate that you don't love. So um, when my business was the most uh, chaotic and the most um, dissatisfying for me was when I was doing everything myself. And the minute I said, okay, here are my three core competencies. I'm good at coaching. I'm good at selling. And I'm good at writing, kind of developing material. And so if I just do those three things and then everything else gets uh, 
farmed out, things will be better. And the minute I put the right people in place on those projects, and, and these aren't full-time employees of mine, these are virtual assistants and different teams, um, the minute all of that got into place, then I loved my business again and I started to double my revenue and then kind of on an annual basis see, you know, 30 to 40% growth every year. Awesome. Well, Jane, I've got more questions for you. I'm not going to let you go yet. You're full of <laughs> you're full of fabulous information. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Jane. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Jane, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? Hmm, I've got a couple of things. So I mentioned the journal, which I'm really, really excited about because um, there's a lot of people out there using it and building momentum, which I think, it, and, and it's helped me. What, what it's helped me done do is avoid um, the dips in the business. I'm able to keep going forward even when I do have bad moments in my business, which we all do. And so that's avoiding the dip has been huge for me. Um, but a second thing that I'm super excited about is called my Inner Circle Mastermind. And I developed it. I have my first group coming to the first half uh, halfway mark of the first year. So every time we do different things in the business, and this is like a group coaching program, every time we do things, we revamp them and make them better. So I just have that at the sweet spot where the porridge is just right. And uh, we've got the formula down for that. So that's like a group coaching. You know, my coach says you're either, you either have people going through like a do-it-yourself type program or there's a group coaching program or they're with you kind of one-on-one -on -one and really mapping out how I uh, do things and putting things into the bucket has been incredibly helpful. Hmm, that's, that's awesome. Well, and as, I, as a client of yours, I can say you do, you do really good work and you're very attentive uh, to the people who you serve. So uh, I'll give you that little commercial right there. Thank you. So we could talk about Jane and about the wealthy speaker and your business all day long, but I think that I think great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to ask the people who come on the show who it is that they think is doing something cool in the entrepreneurial world. Well, my one of my coaches is Dan Sullivan, and he's got this saying, uh, I want what I want because I want it. Mm -hmm. it it's, it's all about not having to justify what it is that we want in our lives and in our business. And so I, as I've said, I go to um, see strategic coach every quarter. He's not my exact coach, but he sometimes he pops his head in the room and we get this, you know, brain uh, blowing mind-altering wisdom from him. He's just a massive entrepreneur. I think he pumps out a book every month. 
So think about that. I mean, it's so the amount and the volume of material and wisdom that I've gotten from the last six years in that program has been just tremendous. So I would say that um, if people aren't already checking out Dan Sullivan and his 10 times podcast uh, to do so, because I'm not exactly sure that that's the name of it. But um, if they Google Dan Sullivan, they'll find him. So let's talk for a minute about your podcast, because I'm an avid listener. In fact, every time I hear your voice, I suddenly flash back to, to being <laughs> Thursday afternoons, being on the treadmill at the gym, because that's where I, I listen. Is uh, I live in Texas, so this time of year, uh, I can't run outside. And uh, not that I love running, but I, I lost 35 pounds over the last several years. And if I don't run, it just seems to want to come back to me. So mm. I have to run two or three miles several times a week, and I have to do it indoors in the summer. And uh, every Thursday, you, you beam into my ears uh, with the Wealthy Speaker podcast. So how long have you been doing that? What was the iteration of where that came from? Well, it actually started out as teleclasses years ago, but I've probably been interviewing people for six, seven years. Oh, so you were ahead of the curve. I was a little bit ahead of the curve, but I did. it didn't all come under the roof of a podcast maybe until about three years ago. And then honestly, Tom, I didn't get serious about it until one year ago. So as soon as I committed to a regular schedule, as soon as I committed to really being in the podcast world, that's when everything changes. It changed. And we really started to see some traction. It's interesting that you said Thursdays because that's the day that we release our podcast. And that says to me that if you're waiting for it so that you can go for your run, that says to me, it would be missed if I didn't do it for a week. It would, you know, there's there's um, there's people that are out there waiting. So we really try to stick to our schedule. Well, and, and I talk to people all the time in, who you know want to start a podcast, and I tell them you, you at least have to do it once a week because if you're not doing it that often, people get distracted and they don't know, you know when it's going to happen. But whenever you do it, you have to have a schedule. I have several friends who do what I call occasional podcasts. Yeah. And you know, the problem with that is, is you know, I don't know their numbers, but I can't imagine – that they get the ongoing traction because the way I consume podcasts and the way that people who talk to me who listen to this show is my show comes out twice a week and people expect it. And every now and then I'll be traveling or there'll be a, a, a glitch. There was weather where my editor lives. And so it was a day late and people do, they email and say no show today. And it's yeah. like, come on, it'll be there in the morning. <laughs> you know, for the occasional people, I would just say maybe do something different. Do a video on LinkedIn instead. Go on Facebook Live instead. You know, if 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 you want to do a podcast, I think committing to it on a regular basis. And even if you're regular, you know, even if regular for you means every two weeks or every month, that's okay. But I would say weekly is probably the minimum. So this sounds like it lines up with what you talked about, about systems. It sounds like your podcast took off and got serious when you put systems around it. Exactly. And I was goofing around for the first few years and I didn't have my systems in place. And now the podcast team, everything, and, and this goes actually back to what we were talking about, about only doing the work you love. So my end of the podcast is that I get to interview fun people like you. You were just on my show. That was, that was one of the most fun interviews, and I've been on like 100 <laughs> shows. That was a lot of fun. 
Oh, thank you. Um, so I do about 20 to 25 minutes of preparation. We at, we have a system in place and, and I have a team, uh, Monica, who actually reaches out to people and makes sure that everything has been gathered. And then my part to prepare for the podcast is under 30 minutes. And then I do the interview, which is usually 30 to 40 minutes. So an hour and I have a podcast in the can. That's my goal for everything that we do is that it's not taking hours and hours because if it takes hours and hours, you won't do it. Oh, well, I mean, I, I say it every time that this podcast wouldn't happen if I hadn't met the people from Podfly because Podfly Productions, I met them when I was thinking about doing a podcast and they do all, you know, it's in their commercial, but they do all the heavy lifting and the technical work. There's no way I would invest the hour or two hours it would take to properly edit the show, yeah, we'd ne- we just wouldn't have the show. And I think that you know, yeah, there's an investment of money, but I think that's for me because you talked to me about you know in my own thing about having habits and systems in place and, and things like that. This is sort of my reminder of here's where you know the the investment pays off to have people doing those things you will not or do not want to do. Yeah, you should be spending your time doing what you do best. And in your case, that's marketing and selling. And in my case, that's marketing and selling. And so that's where we are spending our time creating new content. Um, and as a business owner, really think about you know what your selling superpower is. What is it that you're really, really good at? And spend time doing that and try to farm out. I think you'll find that if you farm out the other pieces, it's a little bit scary for the first little while, but it pays itself off very quickly. So, Jane, I have one more question for you, and that is, you know, I, I know you, and I know that you're very involved with the National Speakers Association and with the Canadian uh, version of that, CAPS. And one of the things I teach when I speak at associations or when I speak in corporate America is I think no matter what you do for a living, you need to get around people in your industry, whether you sell to that industry or you live in that industry. Like people ask me all the time about, oh, I want to be a professional speaker. And I say, well, get involved with National Speakers Association. They're like, well, it's too expensive to go to the summer conference. And I'm like, you know, I thought that too. And then I went and then, you know, I started a business because I went, I learned enough and I met enough people. So I think it's really important whether you're going to be a practitioner in an industry or you're a vendor to that industry like you are, that you get around people who are living that world. So why do you give so much time uh, and attention to NSA and to CAPS? Well, obviously to give back, I would say that the 30 years of knowledge that I have is all on the shoulders of people that I met. So my first convention that I went to was in Washington, D.C. Uh, for NSA 30 years ago, wow. where I met people. Were, were you 12? <laughs> where I met people that I am still friends with who have all either employed me or touched my career at some point in time. I have been friends with them now for 30 years. I first eyeballed Joe Calloway up on the stage at NSA, and we became friends, if not at that convention, then closely after that. He has been a tremendous um, force for good in my career. I attribute everything I know to the people at my industry. And I hear so many people say, well, I wasn't getting anything out of it. I didn't, um, you know, what has it done for me lately kind of thing. And I think it's it's, a, it's an ebb and flow. It's you get what you give. And uh, if you go out, I think that the friendships and 
the the hallway conversations that you can have at someone at your industry event can be so so powerful and uh, i just can't say enough about it well caps is the same for me the canadian one yeah well and i say the same thing all the time it's it's funny how many people tell me well you know the national speaker there's a lot of wannabes there and it cracks me up because the people who complain about it are often the wannabes themselves and they're like <laughs> i just want to find they go i want to meet someone famous who will you know clear a path for me and give me all their overflow and i'm mm. like yeah it doesn't really work that way i mean there's there's always the outliers who i'm sure that happens for but i found for me it was getting those speaker friends and it took years to build those connections but yeah. really building real friendships some of the greatest people i've ever known in my life i've known this will be my 10th convention for NSA. Yeah. Uh, and I've never missed one. And I, I won't miss one. My kids go to the, the or my younger daughter goes to the uh, the youth program, which my older daughter went to for four years and then was a, a leader in for four years. She's now aged out. So this will be the first time in eight years that Jackie won't be with me at the National Speakers Association. But for the last five or six years, Kate has been there as well. And Kate's going to be there for about another four years uh, mm. as well. So it's, it's sort of become a, a family outing to go to this convention. But I mean, I, I say it all the time. It doesn't matter if you're a plumber, you should be part of the National Plumbers Association. Or if you're mm-hmm. a locksmith, go be part of that. Because you will learn so much when you make friends in your industry. And I don't know. What do you think of the people who say, oh, I don't spend time with other people in my industry because that's my competitors? Oh, well, that is one really weird thing about our industry is that we give away all of our secrets to each other. And you have to admit that is bizarre for people (laughs) who are in other industries. You're probably saying, yes, I don't think I would go and share all of my secrets with others. But, you know, uh, when one boat rises, I don't know the exact saying everybody uh, when the yeah, tide the rises rising, everybody the rises. rising tide rises all boats. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. um I, I just think that um right from the get-go in the industry 30 years ago i was like surprised by that what what these people are all sharing all of their secrets and um it was just such a tremendous help for me to get these uh, the, the advantage of all of the learning that came out. My first speaker that I represented, Betska, we sat down and listened to, to all the recordings from all of the conventions and just absorbed, absorbed, absorbed. I'm sure it, it lessened our learning curve significantly. And I remember going and sitting at these conventions and who's next to me? Oh, there's Jack Canfield. Oh, who's over there? Oh, there's Harvey McKay. Like, there's all these really amazing people who are just sitting there ready to share with you um, whatever your questions might be. Yeah. I don't think you can beat that. No, and that's, I, I think, you know, and I think this is probably more true in a lot of industries than we think. We say it's just speakers, but I, I speak at a ton of associations who say the same thing, sure. that it's such a family. And, you know, I, I just referred somebody this morning before we did this interview because someone called and I wasn't available for the date. And mm. I immediately said, can I give you two or three recommendations? And she was like, wow. Like, wow. like the, the meeting planner was like, yeah, please. And, you know, it's like, wasn't surprising to me that that's the next step if I'm not available is I always give another speaker's name. Yeah. And if you were out on the island doing the business by yourself, uh, you wouldn't know all the people that um, you should be referring. And one of the really smart people that I did work for, um, the second speaker I represented, his name was Peter Legg. He was a multimillionaire, uh, ran a big um, publishing company. And he told me, shared with me the phrase, uh, decisions based in fear are typically wrong. 
decisions based in fear are typically wrong. And that's what not going to an association where your competitors are is all about. That is a decision based in fear. I think that's, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I think that's great advice. So Jane, if somebody is listening to this and they just have to know more about you, maybe they, maybe they want to get your, your journal, the, the wealthy speaker journal that you have. Maybe they want to join the group coaching group. Maybe they need a, they're going to start a speaking career and they, they need a good coach. How do they find you? Well, uh, they can Google Jane Atkinson or come over to speakerlauncher.com. That is uh, the website, and we have our uh, Wealthy Speaker University off from that uh, website. So Jane Atkinson at SpeakerLauncher.com, and they can find you on all the social medias too, I assume? Uh, yes. Uh, web uh, Email address is jane at speakerlauncher.com. No last name. And uh, yes, I'm out there on uh, all the platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, uh, you name it. Awesome. Well, go and check her out. And thank you again, Jane, for being on the show. And to everybody who listened, I say it every show. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you for tuning in. If you like the show, do me a favor. Go and jump on to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and uh, subscribe and leave a review. It just makes my day so much better when people actually leave a new review for the show. So don't cheat me out of having a better day. Leave that review. Uh, We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Jane. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.